Compact and bijou this morning, I see. <laughs> but they always say that the best happens in small groups. And so that's what's going to happen this morning. When I was quite young, um, like three, four, my dad came into the bedroom one day and apparently I was stood there and all my dolls and t- uh, my little teddy bears were all lined up against a wall. And I was going, Dad went, she's going to be a teacher. So, was I born with a talent of teaching? Have I developed skills? Or have I got a gift from the Holy Spirit for teaching? And what that means is you remember what we said when I finish which if you're like me, I tend to forget what people say sometimes, and I think that's more age than anything. So is it a combination sometimes of those things that God puts something in us that he then develops and then he anoints? Answers on a postcard. We're going to be looking at the word gifts today, and you are nicely in three groups. So when we get into group word, group work, um, you'll be able to do that quite easily. And my beautiful, handsome assistant over there, can I have slide one up, please? Thank you. (laughs) And now can we go on to slide two, please? This is where I hate having something behind my head. So, last week, Dave helped us to understand through his talk that Jesus came and died on the cross to be our saviour. Okay, and also that uh, he wants to be our Lord. And the Hebrew for Lord is Adon, which we get the word Adonai from. He wants to be our Lord and our Master. But even more than that, what we're doing in this series is looking at the fact that he wants to be our model. He wants to be the model that we follow. And next slide, please. I should really learn how to do this, shouldn't I? (laughs) And for Jesus to be our model, we need to have practices that we put into place, we need to be aware of his presence, and we need the power that he gives us through his Holy Spirit for those three things to come together. In other words, to live authentically, we live authentically when we use the gifts that God has given us, we exercise spiritual practices, and we hear from God the Father through the Spirit to do the work, okay? So that's fairly straightforward. And Jesus, if you remember back in the New Testament, in um, Luke 4, it talked about Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit. After he was baptised, he was full of the Holy Spirit, and then he was sent into the wilderness where he was tested. Now, at no point do we read that the Holy Spirit left Jesus. So I think we can safely assume that Jesus lived a life full of the Holy Spirit. And in John 5, John talks about the fact that Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. So Jesus was full of the Spirit and he did what he saw the Father doing. So the Father 
was his model. And he wants to be our model. So the next slide is going to take us to the reading that we're going to be looking at um, today. And it goes like this. It's 1 Corinthians 12. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, then prophets, then teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And the interesting thing is after that chapter comes 1 Corinthians 13, which is all about love. And that's, I think, an important thing to remember. Now, if you all look around at each other, is there anybody here who is all eyes? No? Anybody who's all hands? Anybody who's all legs? <laughs> We'd look quite funny, wouldn't we, if we were just all legs? A bit like that three-legged thing that you sometimes see that's kind of moving. <laughs> Pardon? A bit like a centipede, yes. All legs and nothing much else. No, we are a body, so we've got a head, we've got eyes, we've got ears, we've got a mouth. And if any of those bits aren't functioning effectively, then the rest of the body tends to have to cope, and it's quite painful sometimes. Um, we had someone in the church, didn't we, Ian, some time ago called Judy, who lived in Box and she had only one leg, and she had learnt to adapt to life on one leg. But it wasn't always easy for her. Um, and if you read online about Joni Erickson, who was paralysed after a diving accident, um, she lives most of her life now in a wheelchair, and she has had to learn to paint. Instead of using her hands, she uses her mouth with a paintbrush. So people can make certain adjustments if they're bits that aren't functioning effectively. But the best thing is to have a body that functions effectively. And it's the same with the church. We are the body of Christ. And it's important that we discover what our bit of the body is, what we are supposed to be doing. And so the Apostle Paul presents us with this mixed list of gifts. And for your first question this morning when you get into groups, I would like you to answer the following question. Okay? If the mixed listing of gifts here and in other passages isn't about order of importance, what does this mixed listing tell us about the spiritual gifts in the church? It's not an A-level question, it's probably a university-level question. <laughs> so if you'd like to get into your groups now, so that you can still see the question, and Peter might in a minute put the text back up for you. And let's have about five minutes trying to um, unpick that question a bit. So if the mixed listing of gifts here and in other passages isn't about the order of importance, what does 
This mixed, mixed even listing tell us about spiritual gifts. The group taking time. <laughs> okay, so I think as I was kind of listening in on the conversations, um, there were things like, well, it's just a, it's a random list of the gifts. You know, there's, there's not any importance in any particular one. Um, and that it's about the body functioning together. Right? So if you have a church that's all teachers, Lord have mercy. <laughs> if you have a church that's all prophets, Lord have mercy. But if you have a prophet and a teacher and an apostle, if you have the different gifts, then those gifts are there to help edify, build up the church, strengthen the church, help the church focus on what God is saying and getting on with the job. Also, if you have a particular gift, then you're responsible for that, which means that you need to be working on it, developing it, and um, seeking God for how you can use that gift to bless the church as well. Um, did I say you could ask questions? Yes, sorry? Can you have more than one gift? I think that's probably quite possible. We'll see a bit later on that there's a couple of them that are probably not... Um, usually a good idea to have together in a way but, but we'll, we'll have a look at what that is in a minute um, and again someone, I think Rosie you read out that bit from 1 Corinthians about the fact that it's love that's important um, you know, and we shouldn't go around saying well actually I'm the prophet <laughs> or oh, well I can actually do miracles <laughs> you know, my gift is better than your gift, it's not that it's a gift God gives for the benefit of all of us and benefit of the church as a whole as well Anything that people want to contribute that I might have left out or we might not have considered? Yes, I heard Pam say I've got it sorted. Yes, right, Pam, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's more likely that you could wait and somebody else would identify your gift rather than you would say anything. Sure. Yeah, there is that, that side to it as well. Like my dad went, oh, she's going to be a teacher. I went to look at my sister and went, oh, yeah, you're going to be a nurse. Yes, there's a sense in which there is that. But there must also, I think, as well, be a certain stirring in yourself that you, there's something that you find interesting. And that's one of those ideas will come out in, in the video clip that we're going to look at in a minute. Rachel? Um, I kind of felt the same when I went through the list and identified that none of those in the list are needed in heaven. They're all something that's needed in the non-heaven. In, in our world, in this time, yeah. Yeah. Yes, you may. We won't need the gifts in heaven, therefore, now. Does that make sense? That's okay. Yep. And if you were like Peter yesterday, looking in a really, really old book that the dust came off when he opened it, it was again about the fact that the power gifts had ceased at the day of Pentecost. I'm like, shut it, don't, no, put it away. Right, video clip one. We're going to, no, sorry, slide one, slide, next slide. So the list of the gifts, the word gifts, we've got teaching, exhortation, apostleship. We're going to look at those three first, and then we'll look at the leadership, pastoring, evangelism group afterwards. So here's the... Welcome to session six, as we talk about the word gifts. 
Now, the first one is teaching. It's pretty prominent in a lot of churches. But let me ask a question. What's the difference between many of you who are teachers and the spiritual gift of teaching? I love this quote. A person who has the gift of teaching is one who has the ability to instruct, explain, or expose biblical truth in such a way to cause believers to understand that biblical truth. It, it's not just about presenting the ideas. It's a supernatural moment where people understand God's word in a profound way for themselves. And you'll know if you're a teacher, if you all the time are looking at doctrine and really wanting people to get it so they can live the life God's designed for them. Now, the second word gift can be called exhortation or encouragement. We find that in Romans 12 and even in Paul's own experience in Romans 1. Now, let me take a moment here to explain this because there's actually two variations of this gift. I love when one author, his last name is Flynn, said this, the gift of exhortation involves the supernatural ability to come alongside to help someone or strengthen the weak or reassure the wavering or buttress the buffeted, to steady the faltering, to console the troubled and encourage the halting. Just as the Holy Spirit is an instrument of help, so the Spirit uses this gift to make us instruments of encouragement to fellow Christians. Now, let me stop and give some examples. Some people with the gift of encouragement continually are writing notes. There's a woman in our church, she writes notes all the time and gives you stickers. Now, it's it's not flighty, by the way. It's not uh, fake. They are continually wanting to encourage you in the faith, and they do it consistently and usually with a lot of joy and a smile. Now, exhortation's different. My father has this style of gift. Someone with exhortation comes along and is kind and encourages you, and yet it's sort of encouragement on steroids. It's got a kick. I I use the example, they hug you, and then they hit you, and you feel really happy when you walk away because God actually encouraged you, and then you hold your face and go, man, I just got hit by that person because they love me. Both of those are the same gifts. Now, people who have the gift of exhortation feel lonely a lot of the time because they perpetually are called one-on-one. It's a person-centric gift usually to call people out while hugging them at the same time. Now, another gift in this category is called apostleship. And and let me clarify something right up front. In the New Testament, there are capital A apostles. They are equal to Old Testament prophets. They wrote scripture. That doesn't exist anymore, but there is the spiritual gift of apostleship. This gift can go in a few directions. I've quoted Robert Clinton a lot, and I like his thoughts on this one too. He wrote that this gift refers to a special leadership capacity to move with authority from God to create new ministry structures, churches, parachurches, etc., to meet the needs and to develop appointed leadership in these structures. And so it's being sent out. It's the idea of starting new things of significance under the Spirit. Yet a different author from a different part of the family, Peter Wagner, actually said this. He said it's a special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ, which enables them to assume and exercise general leadership over a number of churches with an extraordinary authority in spiritual matters that is spontaneously recognized and appreciated by those churches. So the question is, which one is it? And my experience has been out here in this community and many others, it can be both. Some, it's almost like a mission experience. Some, it's a founding experience. And for others, let me use a different language. It's almost like certain people have like bishop style authority in multiple churches, even though they actually have no formal title in those churches. Is that you? Anybody want to answer that question? (laughs) 
I think we see Dave Day as a bit of a roving apostle, don't we, in a sense? With in that sort of bishop sense. In that bishop sense, yeah. 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 So there's a lot of information there, and if I, I think I'm, I'm right in saying you put the clips up on the... Do we put the clips up for people to look I at? I people to the video. To the video on, yeah. 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 Because there's a lot to take in there, looking at the contrast of um, what it is to be um, an, an encourager. Um, and I think some of these gifts actually do stay with us right the way through our lives. I remember one day my mother had a knock on the door, and there was an ambulance, and there was my dad. The last time my mother had seen my father, he was lying on the bed. And she said to him, what are you doing? He said, well, I went down the road to see Mrs. So-and-so to encourage her. Sorry, He's, I, I went down the road to visit Mrs. So-and-so to encourage her. Okay. Now, he was about 84, 85 at the time, and the ambulance had got involved because he tripped on the pavement because he'd got his bed slippers on. <laughs> and so they had to bring him back. So he still had a pastor's heart. He wanted to, to get out there and encourage and support this um, this lady who was part of the church. Okay, so we're going to have a look at question two now, which asks us to think whether there is a higher status given to word gifts than to the other gifts. So why do you think the word gifts have the highest status in many churches and what are the gains and losses? Off you go. Five minutes. Prophecy. They're that list teaching. that we had up. Yeah, teaching, oh, encouragement, all of those things. Oh, of those things okay. The word gifts. The but word there is there is a question mark after that, which is: Are those the only word gifts that exist? Okay. If each group can just think about one thing they think the church gains from those particular gifts and what are the losses when there's a focus on the word gifts and not a balance between all of them. Your muffin. Sorry, boss. <laughs> Think of sharing, we're going to get you to share back in a minute, one, word, one gain and one loss, as per the question asked. So if each group can just think about maybe one gain they felt that had and one loss. Yeah, what is the gain of focusing on the word gifts as opposed to the others, and what is a loss in doing that? Okay, Nigel, your group, one gain. All right, um, sharing knowledge. Sharing knowledge, okay. Rosie, well, Rosie's disappeared. Wow, second coming must have happened. Helen, gain. Sharing knowledge. Just the sharing knowledge. Sharing knowledge. Knowing the gospel, doing doctrine. Knowing doctrine. Okay, so being educated in spiritual things and understanding more. Yeah. Okay. Your group? I'll give one. It keeps the Bible front and centre. 
keeps the Bible front and center because that's our go-to, isn't it? Okay, a loss. What do we lose if it's just based on word? Gifts. Potential to alienate people. Potential to alienate people. They might alienate people if you just focus on word and nothing else, on word gifts. Okay. Loss over here. We were talking. Go on. Misuse of those who have the knowledge in controlling others. Okay. So misuse and control. So spiritual abuse in some way, shape, or form. Okay. Tony talked about the fact that uh, it leads us to ignore or diminish all the gifts that keep things moving and going and are necessary to provide a platform, platform. sometimes literally. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, there's a couple of word gifts actually that aren't mentioned there, or gifts that could be associated with words. Keep that ticking in your mind as we now move on to the next video clip, which is slightly longer than the first, which is going to look at um, leadership, pastoring, and evangelism. Now, the next one's interesting. It's leadership or ruling. A lot of people, when they think about spiritual gifts, actually think leadership or ruling is pastoring, and it's not. I remember when I was preaching on this for the first time in my own church, I stood up and I said to my church, good morning, I have a confession to make. The whole church froze. They were like, are you resigning? Have you done something immoral? Uh, what are you about to say? And I said, hey, good morning, my name is John Thompson and I'm your pastor, but actually, I don't have the spiritual gift of pastoring. Everyone sort of sat back and was shocked. I said, actually, one of my primary gifts isn't shepherding in the gift sense, but leadership. And that's really important to understand because if you have expectations for leaders or people that aren't God's expectations, you'll always end up angry or jaded because you think they should be doing something that God has not equipped them or made them passionate about doing. Am I against shepherding or pastoring? Oh, not at all. But one of my primary gifts is leadership. Here's one definition. A leadership is the spiritual ability to exercise influence over a group, to lead it towards a vision or a goal, enabling the body of Christ to accomplish God's purposes for that group. They're visionaries. I always use the example of Moses. Um, Moses went up and spoke to God directly, and then he walked in front of the people and led them out. If you're a visionary leadership, you'll always be hearing the people hearing directly from God, but walking in front of the people. When I mentor young adults who are considering becoming pastors or leaders, I always say that I lead more like Moses than I do like Jesus, and they all get really nervous. Because see, actually, Moses led a movement, and Jesus birthed the movement, and those are two very different things. So that brings us to our next gift. It's the gift of pastoring or shepherding. Now, I have the title pastor, and many people who have the title pastors do have this gift. And it's a desperately needed gift, but other people who have the title don't. The gift of pastor is that special ability, that spiritual gift that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to assume a long-term personal responsibility for the spiritual welfare of a group of believers. And let me just park on this for a moment. You don't have to have 
reverend or doctor to be a pastor. Many of you actually have the spiritual gift of shepherding and you don't have official titles. And actually, when I was preaching to our congregation about the difference between my walk and many others, I pointed to the congregation and I said, there are hundreds and hundreds of pastors among you. You need to go to them because they tend to have that long view to a small group of people to see how they're doing and to shepherd them. Is that you? And then we come to evangelism. Now, this is talked about in Ephesians 4 and in 2 Timothy and even Acts 21. Now, every Christian is called to evangelize. Well, what does that word mean? It's a big word. It's a churchy word. It means to tell the good news about Jesus, that Jesus really was around, that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament, that Jesus actually was a real man. He did miracles. He really died. He really rose from the dead, and he really actually was God in flesh. And if you accept him by faith and trust, you get forgiveness of sins if you repent of your sins. I mean, that's a summary of the good news. And all Christians are commanded to go into all nations, all people groups, and tell the good news. But there are certain people among us that have a special ability in communicating the gospel in very relevant ways to seekers and skeptics. And let me say it, some people who are evangelists are evangelists intellectually. They, they are persuading. They, they think through this very deeply and they argue philosophy and theology and cultural relevance. And others, they just share one on one. If you've grown up in church, you've got to get the picture of Billy Graham out of your mind because an evangelist isn't someone who stands in front of 60 million people every time and they all come forward. If you perpetually feel like you're called to tell others and you find great joy, it's probably a gift. Let me tell you a a personal story out of the Connect group I go to. I've been part of a small group for 12 years, and a friend of mine who used to come to our church, uh, we were talking about gifts, and he was so depressed, he said, you know, I don't even think I have a gift. And the whole group looked at him and said, well, that's not true. The Bible's pretty clear about it. He says, well, I don't know what it is. And we all laughed at him. And he was like, wow, this is a really unfriendly group. Why are you all laughing? Because we all actually knew the gift he had. So I said, hey, Steve, let me ask you a question. Every time you come to group, what do you talk about during the time we pray? He says, well, I talk about this person, we're praying for this person and this person. And I say to him, okay, just help me understand this. What What's the connection between all those people? And he says, well, actually, none of them have met Jesus yet. I'm like, right. And then when you're at work, not in a weird way, but what do you do? He says, well, I'm friends with them and I'm building a relationship, but I do talk to them about Jesus a lot. And we all said, exactly. You perpetually feel called and find joy when you tell the good news. He had the gift of evangelism, but he had the wrong image in his head of what it had to look like. And let me clarify one last thing. Don't think that if you have the gift of evangelism, that the evidence of it is that everyone becomes a Christian. Because actually, that's a wrong expectation too. You find profound joy and a burning need to tell people about Jesus. And it can be done in a variety of ways. It's not about the reception. It's actually about the telling. And so I just want to encourage you, if that's you, keep sharing the good news. I mean, all of us need to grow. All of us need to get over our fear. All of us actually need to learn how to be really respectful when we talk to our friends and family members, seekers and skeptics about the faith. They have honest questions that deserve our time and our thinking and our respect. But if you have the gift of evangelism, you know that you just need to tell people all the time. And I want to ask the question, is that you? So that's the word gifts. And I want you to look around the group and ask the question, is that you? Is that someone sitting across from you? Are you all laughing at this moment because you're like, oh my goodness, the guy right across from me, he's the one always in the theology textbook, making sure we're saying and thinking the right things. Or maybe it's the person beside you and she's always talking about wanting to share and finding great joy in sharing the faith. 
Well, if that is you, I encourage you, keep understanding, keep encouraging each other, keep identifying, because remember what I keep sharing. See, this is not about uh, independence or sort of unhealthy dependence. It's about interdependence. And God has created us as one people, as one group, no matter our skin color or our background or our history, whether you grew up really religious or secular, all of us who have met Jesus are now part of this movement and we're uniquely gifted by the Spirit. And because that's true, we get to work together in these amazing ways. Have a great conversation as you talk through the word gifts. Okay, we are sort of pushing it with time. So the final question, and as long as you want it to be short, you get straight to the point in what you want to say. Um, and then we'll um, summarize and pull things together. So we often expect, as question three, we often expect leaders to be pastors. What are the key differences that you noticed from what he said between leading and pastoring? And how could they benefit the church if you had a leader and a separate person who is into pastoring? Three minutes, go. So there's um, a lot said in that clip that um, hopefully you'll be able to... Um, look at again and look at the difference between in leading, which is a visionary thing, it's a big picture thing, pastoring, which is caring for the individuals within the church and seeing them grow and move on. Um, I know during the week in the leadership we had a WhatsApp thing that went past, which is, are there word, are there word gifts missing? And I think Dave mentioned sort of um, leading worship, because when you're leading worship, you're using words, you're connecting with God and you're speaking out what you're hearing or encouraging the congregation. The one that came to me was a gift of intercession where you use words to come before God. Not all the time, you can use groans, which the Spirit interprets. But there are lots of things where words are, are valued. Um, I think often sometimes in, chur in churches, that the traditional churches, they look for teachers, people who can expound the word then they also expect them to be the big vision and they also expect them to be pastors. And so you can have that differentiation as well. So in summarizing, Dave's gonna come in a minute, I just want to say this. I wonder whether you identify with any of the particular word gifts. If so, you know, are you using it? Do you need help to develop it? If you're unsure, then there are people around who can help point you in the right direction. And uh, we're here to help you as leaders to discover and develop your gifts because the gift that you have is essential for day spring. So have a think, have a pray, and uh, Dave's going to answer a question that cropped up. Uh, Pam raised this thing about how far um, uh, recognition from other people is more significant than feeling yourself that you have a gift. I think that's where the balance has to be. That um, rather than, I, we've come, I'm sure you've all come across uh, people who say, well, I think my gift is, and their gift is boring people to death um, when it comes to teaching, or my gift is prophecy, and really their gift is having a go at people, um, uh, to, it, or, Another one is my gift is discerning of spirits and really uh, it's incipient paranoia. 
uh, that, uh, that, that's there. Um, the only thing I would say as a negative to that is that sometimes people will um, attribute things to you for the best possible reasons that are really not true of you, that you don't recognise yourse yourself. And uh, in the years that I spent as a visiting speaker, I found I could be introduced in all sorts of ways, depending on how people see me, uh, saw me in that. But the amazing thing is, if somebody sees you as, quite often you'll be able to step into that and uh, do something of that. But the balance has to be what God puts in us and what others recognise in us. So the purpose of this isn't go round so that we can collect badges. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, Pam, absolutely. It's uh, let others recognise it, and I'm sure that uh, know I've got to do what I said. You shouldn't, and attri perhaps attribute things. But if you think about the way in which Pam and John spend their lives reaching out to people, I wonder how they conceptualise that gift, right? Get those gifts for themselves, um, and probably the answer is. Don't spend very much time trying to label it at all. Just get on with it. But, of course, it does help you, if you recognise a gift, to wait on it and to stir it up within yourself. So, um, yeah, that's the way it occurs. Gosh, there are so many things, aren't there, that come out of this uh, that would be uh, that over time we will talk about. Thank you. I know these sessions are long, but at least you do have a chance to talk to one another during them. Coffee, please.